0: everyone, I'm Pastor Matt Henderson, and today we'll be answering your relationship questions. You are watching Relationship Support. At Jill Taylor asks, what are some narcissistic red flags to look out for at the beginning of a relationship? Well, Jill, why don't you go watch the movie Zoolander and if anything resonates at all, mm-hmm. run. Cole Trickle says, is it a red flag my girlfriend has photos of Channing Tatum all over her bathroom? Cole, my question to you is, do you look like Channing Tatum? Because if not, then there's a red flag there. and You should probably run. Also, is she over the age of 13? At Carolina Reaper asks, my new girlfriend has a fear of tide pods. Is that a red flag? This is a red flag, but not for the reason that you may think it is. You see, it's likely that she has a fear of Tide Pods, only to avoid doing the laundry. At Peter Quinn asks, should I be concerned my girlfriend has two phones? Well, Peter, in my experience, the only two people who ever have two phones are drug dealers and cheaters. If she has a burner phone and isn't dealing that devil's lettuce, then you've got a major problem in your relationship. Red flag. At Shake It Off 88 asks, this guy I like keeps asking, what my Zodiac sign is. Should I be concerned? At Shake It Off 88 this is a major red flag. What seems harmless in a zo- asking a Zodiac sign will likely turn into 12 years down the road drinking poison with 11 of his best friends to ascend yourself on a comet passing by Earth. That is a red flag. And this has been Relationship Support.
1: What a great one. Isn't that great? Come on, give it up for our... Our team, they do a great job, aren't they? Hey, we also want to welcome all of our live streamers. We got Uganda, Uganda, sorry, Uganda, sorry, forgive me, guys, Uganda, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Michigan, Ohio, Idaho, New York, Maine, Kentucky, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, that's probably my mom, hey, mom, Uh, Alabama, and Georgia. Let's give it up for all of our live streamers. By the way, Pastor Matt just totally uh, ad libbed all of that. That was pretty amazing to think about how good of an ad libber. Speaking of of Pastor Matt, oh by the way, my name's Troy. My wife and I are the senior pastors. I want to introduce myself. I haven't met you yet. Uh, give it up for your campus pastors, Pastor Aaron, Stephanie. You got to stand up. Make sure you visit with them. We are one church, multiple locations, and uh, so if, you're, if you have friends in other parts of the city, we have a South End location, we have a um, uh, Lake Norman location, and we also are online. So whenever you're traveling, if you want to catch in, you know, dive in, check out YouTube, whatever you want to do, we have live communicators at every single one of our campuses, and so, uh, make sure you join one of those. Pastor Matt and I, several years ago, we went to uh, Cabo. I'd never been to Cabo before, Mexico. We were suffering for Jesus out there, and uh, it was fantastic. And so, Matt and I decided we were going to go to the beach. And I'm a I'm a pretty avid swimmer. Like I, I'm a pretty good swimmer. I would consider myself an above average swimmer. I like to surf. Uh, when I was young, they didn't have swim classes. So my mom just threw me in the pool when I was about four years old. That's how I learned how to swim, survive. I had two brothers. They're not with us anymore because they, uh, didn't make the swimming. That was a joke. That didn't work at all. That was horrible, horrible joke. Stephanie, don't tell me to tell that joke. (laughs) So we decided to go down to the beach First thing I noticed about the beach was there was nobody on it. There was absolutely, and it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. So we walked down, and the second thing that I noticed is when you walked down to the edge, it dropped off pretty significantly. Like there was a steep, kind of cliff almost into the water and the waves were big you know I'm used to large surf I've been surfing in you know eight nine foot waves before Uh, made it out of some pretty bad situations the waves were probably six seven foot tall they were just big shore breaks so you couldn't surf them but they'd be fun to play in and so Matt and I started kind of making our way down to the edge and we noticed also that when you stood on the edge of the water the water when it would come up it would come back really fast. Like it would almost pull your legs out for money. I was like, oh, this is pretty awesome. If you stood there long enough, your feet would be, you know, covered up the sand up to here. And so, you know, pull yourself out. And, and so we were like, hey, this would be a good swimming. We could get in the waves, you know, let them pound you into the beach. Phenomenal thing to do. So we kind of edge our way down towards the edge where the water, the waves are coming over right at the break part of it. Well, all of a sudden, both of us, we're looking at each other. Who's going to jump in first? We look at each other. All of a sudden, the wave comes up, and as it does, there's more water coming up, and it just jerks both of us underneath. It was probably about a three-foot ledge, jerked both of us, threw us up in the air, and slammed us down on the beach. I mean, it hurt bad. Both of us woke up, you know, looked at each other. <laughs> we're like, oh my gosh, we're spitting water out. And, uh, you know, Matt, you okay? You all right? I'm all right. And then we noticed that there was a big red flag <laughs> on the beach. We realized that the reason why we there was nobody on the beach is because you could die. I did a little research. <laughs> did you know that Cabo is the number one place where people drowned on the beach because of that thing? And I didn't know. Why didn't y'all tell me? I mean, good gracious... Red flag. Today I want to talk about the red flag of offense. We got to stay out of being offended. Offense is a spirit. It takes out more Christians, more believers than I believe any other spirit that exists. And So we want to talk and expose the spirit of offense. More people leave church because they get offended. More people in marriages because they get offended. People drift in their relationship with God because they get offended. Church splits happen because of offense. Families live in disrepair their entire existence because of offense. There's lots of prayers in the Bible. Jesus prays for us. Paul prays actually for us twice. One in Ephesians and also in Philippians chapter 1. Listen to this. He says, this I pray that your love, everybody say love, say love, say love. Now, now, there's eight different words in the Greek language. Remember, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, translated into English. The New Testament, written in Greek, translated into English. So there's eight words that actually mean love in the Greek language. We have one word, you know, so I can say I love cheeseburgers and I love my wife. And you're supposed to know the difference between the two. In the Greek language, every word that means love has a specific meaning So that when you use it, people understand it. There's three main words in the Greek language that mean love. The Greek word philio, which means brotherly love. The Greek word eros, which means lustful love. And then the most powerful of the the words of love is agape. That's the one that Jesus used most often in the New Testament. Agape is unconditional love. It's the God Kind of love. So when Paul is praying this, he says, and this I pray that your agape, your unconditional love, your God kind of love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent. Listen, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Notice that Paul is saying, listen, I want to make sure that your love increases as your offense decreases, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Another translation or a paraphrase says it this way, I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure, bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. This will enable you, To choose the most excellent way of all, becoming pure and without offense until the unveiling of Christ. Listen, offense is so powerful that Jesus talked to his disciples about the end times and included offense in it. So they asked him, they said, hey, Jesus, tell us about when the end is going to happen. Like, when when is everything going to be changed and and the world's going to end? And he talks about wars and rumors of wars and nations fighting against nations. And then he says in verse 10 of Matthew 24, and then many will be offended. How many know we're living in the end times? There's a lot of offense in the church, outside of the church, everywhere. There's all kinds of offense because Jesus is coming back soon many will be offended. Listen to the progression. We'll betray one another. They'll hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love, there it is, the love, the agape of many will grow cold. But listen to verse 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. How many people are going to endure offense? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. I want to endure. I want to make it. I want to become unoffendable. That's what I want to be. So we're going to learn how to expose the spirit and become unoffendable. The disciples asked Jesus many different questions, one about end times. One time they asked him this in Luke chapter 17 and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. They said, hey, hey Jesus, can you give us more faith? Now, here's what you would think because Jesus did all kinds of miracles. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Okay, that, that's a pretty incredible miracle. I'd like to raise people from the dead. I mean, that'd be pretty awesome. Right, You could kill them and then raise them back. <laughs> you could take your kids out and they go, come back right quick. But that's not why they asked him about faith. Blind eyes were opened. But after that, it wasn't that they asked him about faith. I mean, he walked on water. But that wasn't when they asked him about faith. You know when they asked him about faith? Listen to what he said. Look at verse 1, same chapter. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come. In other words, they wanted more faith because they realized in order to overcome offense, I'm going to need more faith. Not to open blinded eyes, not to raise people from the dead, not to walk on water, but I need to have faith so I can become unoffendable. Jesus, help me with my faith. I think offense is at an all-time high, not just because it's the end times, but there's two cultural things that are happening in our world. Number one is we live in an angry culture. People are just mad. I mean, they're mad. Some of you, they got mad at you when you were leaving the church. I would be like coming in the church. They were leaving, you were coming in. Mad. Everybody's mad. Liberals are mad at Republicans. You know, black people are mad at white people. Everybody's mad at Asians. I mean, it's just terrible. I mean, it's just everybody's mad at everybody. What's the opposite of anger? Compassion. If we're Christians, now I know what you're saying. You say, but, but the Bible says I can be angry as long as I don't sin. That's not really the point of that scripture. It's saying, listen, sometimes you are going to have a righteous indignation but don't, don't ever let that come into disconnecting people or God. Don't, don't ever come into a place where you start missing the mark. sin. No, we're to, be, we're to be compassionate, forgiving. That's the difference of anger. anger. The opposite of anger is I forgive you. Why? Because I've been forgiven. Because God forgave me. Because I was a sinner saved by grace. I messed up. You messed up. Maybe you messed up with me. Or maybe I messed up with you. And because I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to let you go. That's compassionate. Not just get mad at you and just remove you from my life or remove all people from my life. The other reason I think we have a lot of offense is because we live in an entitled culture. A victim culture. Like I deserve revenge so, God, take them out. Deal with them for me. Or I'm going to do it myself. I deserve this. Listen, we don't deserve anything. Matter of fact, we deserve hell because of our sins. But thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ that we can live by faith and escape hell. He took sin on his body for us so we can spend eternity with God. Are you, are you following me? What, what is the opposite of Entitlement. Gratitude. Hey, Christians, let's be grateful. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. Yeah, I mean, it it could be really, really bad. But thank God you're alive. You're not in jail. I know you want them to be, but you, you know, I mean, let's be honest. We can be grateful that I get to take another breath. We can be grateful that we have a family. We can be grateful that we have a great relationship. We can be grateful that we live in America. We can be grateful because of these things that we have, not just entitled. I deserve it. This is my, it's my right. See, Jesus isn't shocked by our self-centeredness. Neither is he scandalized by others' moral behavior, ever. You know why? Because he knows our heart. John 2 says that Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature. Our human nature leans towards anger and negativity and entitlement. But when you become a Christian, you have a new way of life. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I think that we can learn some stuff from him, don't you? So what is offense? Offense is very simply, uh, I've been mistreated either intentionally or unintentionally. See, and that mistreatment is a trap, like this trap right here. Now, offense isn't the trap. Offense is not the trap. Offense happens to us or we get offended and then we get stuck in the trap. So what is offense? Greek, the Greek word for off- offense is the Greek word skandalion. It's where we get the word scandal from, when there's a scandal that happens. So what offense is, it's not the trap. I want to be careful here because this thing will just take your finger off. The offense, if we could get this on the camera, is this part of the trap. It's where the bait goes. So what the devil does, because offense is a spirit from the enemy, is he f- makes you think either intentionally or unintentionally that somebody has mistreated you, and so they, he puts the bait out. They said this, or you think they said it. They meant this, or you think they meant it. They did this, or you think they did this. Or they didn't do it, or you think they didn't do it. And so the enemy lures you into the middle of this trap, and then you get stuck. And you can't escape. You get caught in the middle of the offense. You get trapped. So what happens to me? When... I become offended. Write this down if you're taking some notes. This will help you. This is a message you need to review often. good friend of mine, John Bevere, wrote a book called Bait of Satan. We give out that book to every single person who comes to Freedom House Church. So when, when people join the church and become a member, we say you need to read two books every year. Number one, the Bible. And number two, Bait of Satan. Because there will always be an opportunity for you to be offended. There will always be. The average person comes to a church for three years, and then they leave. The number one reason why they leave after three years is they get offended. So if you've been here close to three years, just wait. <laughs> Somebody's going to offend you. Either I'm going to offend you, Pastor Stephanie's going to offend you, my wife's going to offend you. Somebody's going to offend you. You know, the, the children's worker, somebody out in the parking lot's going to offend you. Some, something's going to happen, and you're going to have an opportunity Two, take the bait. I want to be unoffendable. How about you? And you can be. You really can. So what happens when you get trapped? Here's the first thing. Write this down. Is it separates you. It separates you. Jesus was approached by a lawyer, and the lawyer asked him, hey, can you sum up all the Bible in, you know, give give me all the law. You know, I want to know what what is the most important of the laws. You know, And there was 10 commandments, 630 different laws in the book of Leviticus, So he said, sum it all up. And Jesus said, that's easy, that's easy. There's two two things you gotta remember. The two most important commandments. The first, you know this, love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Remember the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you notice, it says equally important. Some translations say, love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Equally important, Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, as Christians, we put a lot of emphasis on loving God. We don't take much stock in loving each other. Matter of fact, that's where, that's where the enemy goes after. He goes after that horizontal relationship. And if he can separate this, he can mess with this. If he, if he can get you to stop loving your neighbor, then he might be able to interrupt your love of God. Because, see, God wants you to learn, and he puts people in your life to help you. And if he can get those people out of your life, then maybe he can disrupt this. If he can destroy this fellowship right here, then maybe he can stop this communion right here. Are you following me? And So, so that's what offense does. It tries to pull you out of that. I, I don't believe that you'll go to hell if you're offended. I don't believe that. But I do believe that if you're offended, you're walking on some very, very shaky ground. Why? Well, Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6. He says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Can I get a big amen? Isn't that great to know? That if I forgive so-and-so, then God will forgive me. We don't like verse 15, though. Look at verse 15, Christians. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Uh oh. Hello. You mean I can't just live in this unforgiveness? Well, according to the Bible, God says if I don't forgive someone who mistreated me intentionally or unintentionally, then God can't forgive me either. That's that's a tough place to be. Let me give you an example. In Genesis chapter 4, there's a story of Adam and Eve. They have a couple kids, Cain and Abel. Listen to this. It says, Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Okay, so we got a sheep keeper, and then we got a farmer. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Now, why did he respect Abel's? Because it was of the first. Because we know this is a principle in the Bible. When we tithe, we bring the first. The first is the best. It doesn't take any faith to give what's left over. It takes faith to give what's first. So Abel brought what was first. And then it says, "But uh, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but... He did not respect, or another word would be receive Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Listen to what happened, verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry, and why is your countenance fell? If you do well, if you make the right decision here, Cain, if you make the right choice, you don't, you don't have to live this way forever. Everybody look at me for a second. Offense is always a choice. See, it's not the problem that you go through that's the issue. It's what you do with the problem that you go through that's the issue. It's not the person that hurts you that's the real issue. It's how you handle the person that hurt you that's the issue. It's what you do with that that's really the problem. So God tells Cain, hey, listen, you can fix this. But if you don't, if you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. In other words, Cain, in other words, Christian, in other words, Freedom House Church, you always have a choice. Choice is your most powerful spiritual ability. It's more powerful than anything. It's more powerful than worship. It's more powerful than confession. It's more powerful than prayer. It's more more powerful than any of those things because you always have to choose to do those things. God gave you the most powerful spiritual ability. The devil can never make you do anything. You always have a choice. You always choose. And you always have a choice to be offended Or not be offended. Offense lies at the door. The trap has already been set for you. Will you take the bait? Will you take the bait? Offense separates. Secondly, offense escalates. Look at verse 8 of Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. What the heck? What is he doing? I mean, he just... He made a mistake with God. God didn't respect him, so he kills his brother. Now, I know what you're thinking. I would never do that. But we do it with our words. We kill people with our words. We tear them down with our words. We murder them with our words. Did you hear what he did to me? I can't believe. I can't believe what he said. He should have said this to me. I can't believe it. Do you, do you know what Pastor Troy did to me? He didn't know my name. I've met him three times. He should know me. I mean, I've talked to him. I've introduced my family. I know i got six kids, but I'm not expecting him to know all. I barely know all their names. I mean, but he should know my name. This escalated quickly, didn't it? Listen to me. Offense always escalates fast. It always grows fast. When you allow yourself to get caught in that trap, it escalates and you bring people with you That's the tendency Because we, we can't have a pity party by ourselves We can't have an entitlement party by ourselves We can't have an anger party by ourselves I need somebody to agree with my anger so I'm gonna get on Facebook and start talking about Freedom House and that Penny Maxwell. I can't believe she posted that again. And I mean, she's just mad. Why does she say that about so and so? And she says this and she does that. And why did you do that? And that church over there and that person over there. You're not gonna believe what they did to me. And you need to come. We need to leave this church and get a couple other people in my life group. Let's go over there to this other church because you know we can't be over there. Escalates. Offense unchecked. Escalates. We don't murder people physically, but we murder them with our words. Hurt people, hurt people. Shame people, shame people. Guilty people, guilt people. Offended people, offend people. Offense is always looking for friends. It's super dangerous. I'm leaving this church. You know, Pastor Troy, he would let me be a leader. I wanted to start a singles group because we need to mingle. (laughs) And he said singles... Ministries always get squirrely, and they do. That's <laughs> why so we don't have them. In the last three churches I've been to in the last year, they let me lead. Did you catch that? Last three churches I've been to in the last year. When anybody starts the conversation with that, always makes me a little nervous. Well, you know, my last church, hold on, time out. Time out. Now you're starting to go down the road. This is not your last church. You know, well, he, he didn't let me, they, they don't let me be a leader because I don't tithe. Well, we have standards. Absolutely, we have standards for people that are leading. We have standards for people that are over in the children's ministry too. Did you know that? We don't want any crazy people over there taking care of your kids. So we have standards. Absolutely, we have standards. Well, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, I, I can't believe it, you know, and, and, you know, did you see the car that he drives? And did you see his wife's dress and that big old rock on her finger like that i mean I, I don't know where they got it but it definitely wasn't out of a uh, you know one of those machines at the grocery store i mean he paid a lot of money for that and you know churches they just all take all of our money and they just they, all they're thinking about of themselves and you know what happens it, es- it escalates it escalates it escalates it escalates and then we start drawing other people into that be careful but whoever, this is what Jesus said, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it will be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Be careful. Don't include anybody else in your offense. Deal with it yourself. Don't try to have a pity party, a victim party, an entitlement party, an anger party, and try to pull people away. Because guess what? God's going to hold you responsible. Now, I'm, I look, give me, cut me some slack. I may forget your name. I may do that. I mean, I barely, I mean, sometimes I miss my kids' names. I don't mess, I got a thousand, I got thousands of people I need to remember your name. You have one. Just give me a little bit of slack. If I call you buddy, I didn't, I don't really know your name. (laughs) Hey, buddy. Hey, sweetheart. That's my, that's my, I have no idea. So just help me out. Hey, Pastor Troy, my name's Stephanie. Stephanie. I mean, you know, hey, um, I'm, I know you don't remember me. You know, hey, love you. And I can't go to eat with everybody. I know at your last church that had 30 people in it, the pastor could go take you to dinner. I can't take everybody to dinner. I, my wife wants me at home. She actually likes me <laughs> and wants to spend time with me. Are you following me, what I'm talking about? The, the, and I'm not just talking about church because... This is important to understand in regards to your relationship with the church and the people in the church, but also you take this to your job or take this to your family. We'll talk about in just a minute, how to be unoffendable. The third is that not only does it separate, escalate, but it imprisons. It imprisons us. Proverbs 18, verse 19, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Why does it imprison us? Because offense will cause you to make inner vows. What's an inner vow? An inner vow is when you start saying things like, I will always, or I will never, or they will always, or they will never, or men will never, or women will always. Those are inner vows, or I will prove them, or I will not trust. Those are all inner vows, and those are dangerous Because they affect your emotions, they affect your behavior, they affect your thoughts, they start getting ingrained, and you build walls in your life. Now, boundaries are good. Boundaries are good. But boundaries are individual. Boundaries are between me and you because I need to make sure you know in our relationship what is acceptable and unacceptable. What is peaceful and what is not. What I'm going to tolerate and what I'm not going to tolerate. How we can live in trust and how you can break trust. And that's important in in regards to a relationship. That's important in regards to a marriage. Would you agree? Okay. Now, now ladies, help us men out. Tell us what you really mean. Tell us your thoughts. We do want to hear. We want to understand you better. Tell us your boundaries. Tell, Tell us all those things. And tell us more than just one time on the day that we got married. Give us just a a review at least once every three days. Just help us out once every three days. Would you agree, men? Every three days. Just leave a little note. This is what I expect, sweetheart. Here's what I need you to do for me. Here's what it means to love me. Here's what it means to keep me safe. Here's what it means to protect me. Here's what it means. Just leave that little note all the time. Send us a text, and then we'll do it. We're not that smart. We're not that smart. Man, I'm trying to help you out here. You better give me some amens here. I'm trying to to relieve you of a lot of stress. But boundaries are very important. Walls, however, don't just protect you. They keep everybody out and you in. They're more corporate related. Walls are rigid and impenetrable. They isolate you from intimacy. They are defensive in nature and they hinder emotional growth. See, blocking people out of our lives blocks God's most powerful tool for us to mature People. Look at your neighbor. Say, you look like a hammer. Come on, look at him. Look at your other neighbor. Say, you look like sandpaper. <laughs> people are God's most important tool in your life because people will be sandpaper because they, they, they need to smooth out the rough edges in your life. If you're married, just look at him and say, man, you, you're just sandpaper today. It's okay, it's all right. Sometimes you're the hammer to help us build, but sometimes you're the sandpaper. Now, don't be sandpaper all the time. Every now and then build. You know what I'm saying? But don't build walls. Be careful. Last one is it paralyzes. Matthew 5, separates, escalates, imprisons, and offense paralyzes. I'm almost done. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and gift here doesn't just mean financial gift. It could be your talent. what what opportunities you've been given, everything in your life. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, there remember that your brother has something against you or you have something against him or he has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar, before God. Go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. In other words, God can't work through an unreconciled gift. He needs your gift to be reconciled. He needs you to be reconciled. Or else your gift is useless in the kingdom of God. So how do you how do you do that? You forgive, you release, you let things go. You're compassionate. You're full of gratitude. You act like Jesus. Look, Jesus, Jesus had the right to be all of that with us. He, he has the right to be angry. He has the right to be entitled. He has the right to all of that, but he chose not to and went to the cross for you and me and loved us. He even said it. He goes, God, they don't even know what they're doing. I know what they're doing, but they don't know what they're doing. But I love them in spite of that, and I forgive them. Number one reason for offense. Number one, unfulfilled, unrealistic, or unmet expectations. That's the number one reason. There's lots of other reasons, but I just wanna just give you this one. Unfulfilled, unrealistic, or unmet expectations. Number one reason for offense. The reason why we get trapped so much in our life is because of unfulfilled, unrealistic, or unmet expectations. Let me give you a biblical example. John the Baptist um, spoke out against Herod called him a sinner because he was sleeping with his brother's wife. and So Herod put him in jail. Now John the Baptist was the guy who baptized Jesus. He was the one who said on the side of the Jordan, this is the Messiah, this is the Christ. This is the one who, who will die for you. This is the guy. This is the man. This is the one. But now John is in prison. And he's wondering why Jesus hasn't rescued him yet. And so you know what he does? He sends two of his disciples to go ask Jesus if he's the one. Now why would he do that? Why in the world would he ask Jesus if you're the one when he was the one who said he's the one? Why would he do that? Because he had an expectation. He had put an expectation on Jesus to do something for him. Why haven't you saved me yet? I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing your kingdom, man. I mean, I'm like fulfilling your purpose. I'm doing what you've called me to do. Matter of fact, I even spoke out against one of the, the leaders in the community, in the society, in the culture that's destroying people's lives, and now I'm in prison, and why don't you save me? Why don't you do something to help me? Expectation. So he sends two of his disciples, and his disciples come, and they go, hey, Jesus, our are our mentor, our teacher asked us to come and ask you if you're the one. And he did miracles. He, he, he did what he was called to do. And then he told the disciples, he said, hey, hey guys, go back and tell John what I did. He didn't save him though. But this is what he said to the people that were listening. He goes, it's really important that nobody is offended because of me. That's what he said to everybody around him after his disciples left. Because see, John was in prison offended. He got offended because he had unrealistic, unmet, and unfulfilled expectations. Christians are the worst about this. They come into an environment like this and they have tons of expectations and when they don't get met, they walk right back out. They go into relation, they get into marriage with each other and they don't know what they expect from each other. So if you're getting married, make sure you know what to expect of each other. That you talk about that. That you spend time, hey listen, this is what I expect in the marriage, this is what I see. And then you're honest and going, hey listen, I'm gonna probably be a good husband but that's Jesus's category, I'm a lousy Jesus. And listen, I, I'm a decent pastor. I'd say I'm above average. But I'm a lousy Jesus I'll never be Jesus for you And so listen If you're if you're married And you put all kinds of expectations on your spouse You're going to get disappointed If you come to church and you put all kinds of expectations on us To fulfill something that's unrealistic And, 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 and we're going to disappoint you You get into a relationship with friends And put all kinds of expectations You're going to get hurt So how, here's the answer Here's, here's the finish, I'm done How do I become unoffendable? It's really simple. It's a very simple answer. It's not complicated at all. You wanna know what it is? State your expectations. Be clear. State them often and with clarity. In every relationship that you're in, don't assume anything in the relationship. Don't assume anything. At your job don't assume anything in the church don't assume anything in your marriage don't assume anything with your kids because you will get disappointed you will get offended you'll get discouraged and you'll walk away from community community here and eventually lose communion here here's the second thing write this down lower your expectations of people and raise your expectations of God let's do it together hold your hand up here like this ready lower my expectation of people raise my expectation of God let's try it again lower my expectation of people raise my expectation of God because people will hurt you I don't know if that's like revelation even people that are really nice They're going to hurt you. It's going to happen all the time in your life, over and over and over. Your wife is going to hurt you. Your husband is going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt you. Pastor Aaron's going to hurt you. Even sweet Pastor Stephanie, she's going to hurt you. David is going to hurt you. Matthew's going to hurt you. Nicole, I mean, little angelic Nicole over here. She hurt me twice today. Just kidding. People are going to hurt you because we have a human nature a sinful nature and our default is to protect ourselves and not care about you so that's why you what do you do? lower your expectations of people and raise your expectation of God stand with me the reason why you raise your expectation with God is because God will never let you down he'll love you in spite of anything that you do or don't do He'll never hurt you. He'll always be there for you. He'll listen to your pity party, probably correct you, but in a nice sweet way. He'll always be compassionate to you. He'll always be there for you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never walk away from you. He'll always be your side, be there by your side. He'll always be there to heal you. He'll always be there to forgive you. He'll always be there. That's God. So when you lower your expectation of people, then God fills up all the gaps. He fills up all the stuff in the middle. And it's so incredible because he becomes the savior, the redeemer, the lover of your soul, the best friend that you can ever have. Set your expectations and then lower for people, raise them for God. Father... If You want to be unoffendable. Just put your hand right on your chest. Father, we want to do that today. We want to walk out of this place and be unoffendable. We know we're going to be presented with the bait. We know we're going to be presented with the trap, but we don't want to walk in it. And Father, if there's anybody here in this room or watching online and they need to let some things go, let some people go, let some sin go, be reconciled, Forgive be compassionate, be grateful. God, would you help us? Would you give us just the strength and the boldness and the courage to say, I forgive you? Some of the people that we need to forgive might be dead, but we need to do it by faith. Matter of fact, if you're here today watching online and you need need to forgive somebody, just say, I forgive, and then just say their name. Just say it right now, I forgive, and then just say their name. Now you say, well, I don't feel anything. That's okay. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a corresponding action with heaven. It's an action that you do and the feelings are the reward of your faith. Don't ever allow your feelings to lead you. let faith always lead you. I forgive maybe you need to do it a couple times. I forgive her, I forgive him, I forgive my wife, I forgive my husband, I forgive my kids. I forgive that last pastor, I forgive that last leader, I forgive that boss, I forgive my mom, I forgive my dad, I forgive Uncle Joe, who, whatever. And I'm I'm not saying that we discount the mistreatment that we endured, but if we can release them, we will be released from the prison of our hearts. The prison that separates us and escalates and paralyzes us and imprisons us. Father, thank you for healing people today. Touch them in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't know him personally. You don't have a relationship with him. What does that mean? That means that you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You said, hey, Jesus, I want you to come. I don't know what it all means, but and I don't understand it all, but I just want you to come and change my life, be a part of my life. I want to serve you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Savior of my life. If that's you, you, you know you're not right with God. Maybe you maybe you knew God. You accepted Him as your Savior years ago, but you, you, you're not right with Him right now. You know you're not living a life that's pleasing to God. Listen, he's, he's a forgiver, man. You ask Him to forgive you, He'll release you. I want to pray for you. If you're here today, you say, that's me. I, I, want, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I want to recommit, rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to count to three. When I get, just raise your hand. When I get to three, just raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand. You say, That's me. Hands all over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer all together across the room. Church family, would you join, would you join with these people who raised their hand? Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe. That his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Today I give you my life. I want to start over. Thank you for being raised from the dead. I believe it and I receive that life. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. I will serve you and I will worship you forever and ever. In Jesus' name. Everybody shouted, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap.